Turn your Bible, please, to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Going to finish up. And there was a voice from heaven. We're going to finish up, uh, Lord willing, uh, this chapter tonight and the book. And although I actually had another Sunday night message planned for this evening, and um, that sort of got put aside. So anyway, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We're going to read over the whole chapter um, and then uh, make some comments on those few verses that we have left. And um, let's, let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now concerning the collection for the saints. And by the way, I love the way he never says, give me, I want your money. He never calls it money. He just calls it a collection, okay? Or something, grace or whatever. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. If it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia, and it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such as to every one that helpeth with us and laboreth, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Acacia, Acacius, for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute uh, you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet you one another with an holy kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with my own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And then my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. 
Amen. So go back with me to the last verse of the, first, the previous chapter, and that's where we will begin. Chapter 16 is sort of an extension of that verse. It says, And therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And you know, there's, there's two ways of looking at the, uh, the work of the Lord. Uh, part of the work of the Lord is uh, during the, the Reformation period, there was a, a real emphasis on getting back to understanding that everything that we do is spiritual. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And there is a certain aspect that no matter what we're doing, we are, it is spiritual. It is something that we are to walk in the Spirit. And what we do is spiritual activity. And the example is often given about um, uh, a mom or a dad who's changing uh, the nappies of their child uh, and raising that. You know, that is service to the Lord. Because there's, there's just, that's something that you're appointed to do. If you don't do that, it, it causes a, <laughs> causes a mess. And, um, it, it's just not good for anyone. And so there is a, an aspect of the, the, just the normal everyday activities are spiritual that we're to, it's the work of the Lord. But two, there is that aspect that of, of, uh, the work of the Lord being what we do uh, in thinking about, okay, how can I minister to others? How can I help my prayer time, my Bible reading time, my ministry to other people, whether at home, at church, or elsewhere? And so always abounding in the work of the Lord. And the word abounding, one author said, you're not just doing enough to get by. You're not just doing enough to get by. You're abounding. And that is the difference. It's the doing things because they're not grievous. They're not, uh, it's not overly taxing. It's just being willing to help. And so always abounding in the work of the Lord. And we looked at this verse rather extensively a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be on the inside. What's going on inside of you right now? What's going on inside of you right now? Are you tossed to and fro and just, just being shaken like a washing machine? Well, the Apostle Paul says, wait just a second. Let's, let's back up. Let's be steadfast. Let's keep our focus on the Lord. And he says, to be unmovable, the idea, you know, being unmovable the, from, from things that are without, whether it's wind or storm or, or other things that are happening on the outside that are affecting us. Don't, don't let the, the, don't let the things from the outside, what people say, what people do, don't let that push you around. 
But then he says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And really, the work of the Lord is what we're talking about in chapter 16. It really does in this chapter. It gives us a few of the things that the work of the Lord is. And we've looked at three of them already. We've looked at three of them uh, by caring for those in need, by giving financial help. Um, and our, what we do with our money is a spiritual thing. Um, and this collection that he's talking about, it is not a tithing situation. It was on top of the tithes and it's just being willing to help them out. And how we use our money is part of our abounding in the Lord. We are to be willing to help those in need. Second, by conducting our business dealings with integrity, us living right with our finances and acting appropriately, paying our bills as a church um, and as individuals, that's very much abounding in the work of the Lord. And it sounds like, yeah, well, that's just uh, normal everyday stuff. Well, you know, if you don't have a good testimony with um, your creditors, um, it's going to hurt. And can I just ask that if you don't have good testimony with your creditors that you you work toward that that you you get your uh, finances in order and 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 pay your bills it's just a good testimony and then the commitment to doing the lord's will you know what there's lots of uncertainties there's lots of things that we know that we have to do there's lots of things that just come up whether opportunities or problems well, how do we handle all that? Well, we just trust the Lord. We're not in control. He is. And so really, uh, we just got to say, you know what, Lord, you knew that was coming. Uh, I'm going to trust you with it. And so I hope that's our uh, approach to life. And then by cultivating tomorrow's church leaders, how... Are we going to abound in the Lord uh, by cultivating tomorrow's church leaders? Um, verses 10 and 11, and really the first thing we're going to do, how is it that we're going to cultivate tomorrow's church leaders? Um, by first of all, by seeking to understand them. By seeking to understand them. And here, now who are we talking about? We're talking about Timothy. And Timothy was just a young man. And he may have been, he may have been late teens. He may have been early twenties because by the time you get on over to the, uh, he, when he writes second Timothy, he's still a young man. And so Timothy's just a very young man and He's talking about raising the next generation of church. I don't want, I'm 53 right now, and we as a church body, we've got to make sure that the next generation puts up their hand and says, you know what? I, I want to serve. I want to help. I want to lead. I want to take this church forward, not because it's, it's us, but because 
We want to be a light for Christ. And part of that is our raising the next generation by helping them to go forward and to grow and to become and to be involved. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, first, we're going to do it by seeking to understand them. It says there in 1 Corinthians 16.10, he says, Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as also I do. And then the next verse says, let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. Now what, from reading those verses, from reading those verses, what does Paul understand about Timothy? What does Paul understand about Timothy? Well, let's go back. Now, if Timotheus comes, see that he be with you without fear. For he works the work of the Lord as I also do. What is it that Paul understands about Timothy? He understood the fact that Timothy was one who was given to fear. He was one that was given to fear that he could become anxious and that he was one that was not really settled on his insides. He, he got stressed out by things. And Paul understood that. And if you read, we could do a character study on Timothy. It's amazing some of the verses we're going to look at tonight that Paul, in working with Timothy, and really that's how we do this, we learn to understand people by being around them. Lots of us here are married. Lots of us here are married. And you know what? My wife didn't know me real well. She knew me well. But she knew me better when we got married. And you know, you just find things out about people the more you're around them. And Paul... He has been around Timothy. He's worked with Timothy so much that he understands things about Timothy that others don't. And here, Timothy's visiting this church and Paul says, guys, if you treat Timothy, if you talk to Timothy the way that you talk to me, you're really going to put him off. It's not good. So he says... You know what? Paul understood what Timothy was like. One thing, he said that he knew that he had his background. Notice in the verses there, he knew all about him. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus. This is him, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewish, and believed, but his father was a Greek. So, we know that uh, T Timothy, his mom was a believer. His dad, from reading that, wasn't a believer. And so he has this background. He knows something about what Timothy is about. Um, but yet, he knows in Acts 16 too that Timothy had a fantastic testimony. 
that Timothy, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium, other people, other people looked at Timothy and said, you know what, that Timothy, he's a committed Christian. That Timothy loves the Lord. And can I say something? I realize we don't have lots of young people here tonight. But can I say this to you young people? It is not too early to be living for God. You can have the testimony that you love the Lord, that you put Him first. You can have that testimony that you want to serve God with all your heart. You can have that testimony. And that's what Timothy did. Timothy had a testimony and Paul understood that. Paul understood the way Timothy thought. Second thing, sometimes we approach people and we just really don't know what they're about. And it's better for us to get to know people and try to understand them. The second thing is by understanding that ministry to them may be messy at times. May be messy at times. 2 Timothy 1.4, I must admit I'd never seen this until I saw it this time. What has Paul seen Timothy do before? What had Paul seen Timothy do before? According to our verse. Seen him cry. He had seen Timothy cry. So here Timothy is. This is a different book, of course, but he he is so invested. And you know what? You generally don't let people see you cry that you don't trust and that you're not willing to to let your your guards down around. Well, Sometimes ministry to our young people is going to be messy. And I hope that when, as our young people are growing up, whether it's our own kids or whether it's the kids in the church, that we just understand that they're, they're finding their way, they're going forward, and there's going to be things, there's going to be times where uh, they have their tears. They have their difficulties. They have their problems. And we don't say, you know what? You can't have problems. No. We work with them just like the Apostle Paul did and say, yeah, that's alright. Yeah, let's work with it. Sometimes our tomorrow's church leaders have things going on. And you know what? That's the thing about it. All of us, I reckon all of us have our messy times. All of us have our times where we let down on the Lord and instead of just writing us off, the Lord works with us right where we are. Isn't that so wonderful? The Lord doesn't just write us off. He works with us right where we are. Well, you know what? We really, we really owe that to our young people. In fact, 
Paul understood how this, this fear was affecting him. He said, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. We're not to be controlled by fear because really when we're controlled by fear, we've, we've lost power. We've lost the ability to stand. We're not sure of God's love and we don't have a healthy mind. And the Apostle Paul understood this stuff about Timothy. And instead of writing him off and saying, you know what, you're just really not worth it. You don't, you know, i, I got to go find someone else. Paul got right beside of him and said, man, it's okay. I know your tears, man. Let's work through this. And, and folks at Corinth, work through it. Work with him. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. And you know what? As adults, as adults, we have our messy times too. But when our kids have, and when these young folks have problems, man, instead of writing them off, instead of writing them off, let's say, you know what? Let me, let me come right beside of you. Let me come right beside of you and help. Let, 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 let me help you. And if I, if I really mucked up in the area you're, you're mucking up in, well, let me show you, let me tell you, well, this is what I think you, you might could do now. Or maybe you're just a, a shoulder for the, or, or, or a sounding board for them to talk to. You know, Paul, he understood. He understood and he was willing for things to be messy. You remember John Mark? This is one of those situations. You remember John Mark when he was with Paul? And he was just a young man. The writer of the book of Mark. He was with Paul and Silas and all of a sudden, or Paul and Barnabas, excuse me. He was with Paul and Barnabas and they were on a missionary trip and he went walkabout. He had had enough. He went back home. Well, Paul got mad at him. Paul says, you're not going on another missions trip with me. Barnabas said, well, you know what? I'm not either then. I'm not going to go on a mission trip with you either if you're going to be like that. And so they split. But later on, Paul looks back and he says, you know what? John Mark is profitable for the ministry. And it's like he's saying, you know what? I shouldn't have written him off like that. Can I ask, folks, with your kids with our young people, and I'm talking anyone 35 and younger, okay? And I realize, yeah, I could have, I could do, yeah. Let's don't write them off. Let's work with them. Let's work with them. Let's, let's help them. Let's develop them. Let's help them to grow. And instead of being just like everyone else that that just despises them. And, and, that, and that's the, that verse 11 in our text. It says, don't you dare to despise them, to treat them as nothing. You know, to, when, when you think about them, yeah, they, they don't measure up. We ought not look at them like that. Because God, the Lord knows. 
that none of us have measured up, that we all come short. And so we see that Paul, he says, you know what? I've seen him cry. I've seen him down. And he's, he's, we need to invest in him. And then by seeing potential in them, and really it's, it's, it, the two connect, I think. You know, you, you get beside of them because we see that the Lord can use them as a trophy of His grace. The Lord has wonderful plans. The Lord is working in them. Isn't it amazing that some of the time when you're at your lowest, that's when the Lord is working the most. And in our young folks as well, some of those times when we're the absolute lowest, that's when the Lord is working and to move you around and to help. And so the Apostle Paul saw this. He says in verse 11, he says, you know what? Don't look down on them. On our next generation, don't look down, don't look down on them because they're not like you. They don't, they're, they're not like us exactly. But you know what? He says, let no man despise Timothy, but conduct him forth in peace. Help him along. Give a helping hand that he may come unto me. Paul saw real potential in Timothy. In fact, in Philippians 2.20, what does he say of Timothy? He says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. He's talking about Timothy. He sees tremendous potential in Timothy. So folks, let's... Um, verse 6 of chapter of 2 Timothy 1 Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. And you know what, Paul? He just said, you know what? I see, I see, I see good. I see good things when I see our young people. I see tremendous potential. And folks, let's, let's treat our young people like they are a, 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 a tremendous potential to reach this world for Christ and to be trophies of His grace to win others to Himself. And then notice, not only by seeing potential, but by engaging them in ministry opportunities. The Apostle Paul said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Eunice, and then uh, grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, I'm persuaded that's in thee also. I say, he wanted to get them involved. He saw it in the past. And then he says, I want you to stir up your gift. I want you active in ministry. So don't despise them. Conduct them on their way. Help them along. And so our young people, instead of putting them down, treating them like nothing, let's build them up. And that's not, it's not saying that we, we're saying they're perfect, but it is saying that we realize they're just as perfect as we are, which is not. 
And so let's build them up and let's hold them up and help them go forward. And then by courageously serving the Lord, by courageously serving the Lord, abounding in the work of the Lord. I love this verse. There's lots of commands here, all present tense, all keep that say, keep doing these things. How is it that we're going to be courageously serving the Lord? Well, it's sort of like what our verse is, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men and be strong. The idea of to watch is to be on guard. They're all military terms. All of these are military Greek words the military would use. The one is to, to, to be on guard, to watch, and you know, watch things going on around and just just be aware of things that of dangers that might be happening. Uh, Paul in Hebrews chapter 12 talked about lest that root of bitterness, you know, you're, you're watching your own heart. You're, you're watching things that are around you. You're, you're, you're in tune with, with what the Lord is doing. And then to stand fast, uh, means to keep your rank. Now, the idea is there is to, 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 to be, be your, be what you're supposed to be. You know, don't um, don't just go walk about. Be at your position. Uh, be faithful at doing what you're supposed to be doing. Sometimes life is a lot of uh, just uh, just boring, 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 boring. It's not that it's boring, but in other words, it's just the same all the time. You go, you you work, you you you, you do this, you do this every day, and then the next day you do a lot of the same, maybe a little different. But there's this idea of you you just keep doing that. You just keep doing that because that is always abounding in the work of the Lord. And then he says. Quit ye like men. I love that. Quit ye like men. That's one little word in the Greek. That's one little word that's not used anywhere else in your New Testament. And the idea is to to be brave. The idea is to be brave. Sometimes it takes bravery. It takes when things are uncertain, when you're doing new things, it takes a certain amount of bravery. Isn't it amazing then in Joshua how many times the Lord said to Joshua, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous, be courageous, i.e. be brave, be brave. I'm going to help you. Be brave. And so the Lord uh, wants them to, to be brave. And then the last thing is to be strong. And I think this application to, to, to be strong, there is that application to where that, you know, in, in areas that we see weakness in our lives, we need to work on those. In the area where we have a harder time putting things off 
and putting on good things and, and stopping bad things. We need to, to put more effort in building those things up. But the, also, the idea also is that as, as we're going through life, as we see others uh, sometimes having difficulty, then we go over and without being obtrusive or in their business saying, you know, can I, can I help? Or I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Or helping some way like that. So basically just building up and helping. And so that be strong. Be strong for yourself, in yourself. Work on those things that are weak. And then be strong to help others. And then notice, by consciously loving others. I'm amazed at this. This verse, oh, no, I can't do that. All this, be strong, watch, be steadfast, quit ye like men, be strong. That does not, that sounds like we're, we're what? We're ready, you know, we're ready to show our strength and then the Apostle Paul says what? He says, by consciously showing love to others. Here we've got this big macho thing going. We've got to be strong now. But how are we going to be strong? We're going to be strong by showing love to others. And it takes a lot more strength to show love to others than to be macho. It takes a lot more strength to love others than it takes to to be controlled by pride and think you're so high and mighty. The Apostle Paul says, you know what? Whatever you're doing, whether you're watching, whether you're standing firm, make sure you're doing it in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Make sure you're doing it in a way that's showing love. And really, I reckon, I reckon it, this, this whole book has been a lesson in learning to love, learning to love. How important it is to love. Love even when we're watching, even when we're standing fast, even when we're quitting like men, which we're not supposed to do. We're being brave and being strong. We're showing love. And then by champion, championing, I hope that's a word, those who lead by example. By championing those who lead by example. Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the firstfruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. What does that mean? That they've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That means that basically when you think of them, that's what you think of. They are just known for how they treat the saints. They are known for the hospitality that they show, for their kind spirit, for their sensitivity to their visitors. They just have a way about them of ministering to the saints. And you know, there's a lot of different things 
that we can addict ourselves to. We're all different. The Lord has made us all different. We all have things that we do better than others. And so Paul says, you know what? Appreciate whatever they're doing. You know, say, you know, good job. Thank you. And he says that you submit yourselves unto such to everyone that helps with us and labors. Read of an example of, of some Americans that were in Brisbane uh, quite a few years ago now, but um, they were a team of, uh, of speakers and um, they, they had, everybody was working together pretty well, but one of them decided that he didn't want to go along with the rest of the group and everybody thought they had, you know, they were all going the same way. And so this one guy was, was uh, he decided that he was just going to buck everybody else and say, no, I'm not going to go along. And he rested his arm. He just sort of put his arm around this sign. And one of the other people looked up at it, at the sign. And uh, he started laughing. And he asked the guy that had his arm around the sign to look up. And you know what kind of sign it was? It was a give way sign. And this guy needed to give way. He needed to be willing to be a part instead of working against everyone. He needed to be willing to be a part. Um, he says, I'm glad for the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Acacius for that which was lacking on your part. They've supplied. You know, there are a blessing. Um, They've refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. You know, let them know that you appreciate them. It is a good thing to show appreciation uh, to other people. It's a good thing to show appreciation. And then, lastly here, by communicating with other Christians. None of us are islands in ourselves. We all need to talk, to fellowship. And even if it's just a, how you going? Pray about this for me, please. i got something going on. Will you pray for this? You know, it's just that interaction. You know, we're, we, we need each other. He says, the churches of Asia salute you. There's the communication, you know. Wouldn't it be cool to find out that other churches were saying, hey, church here at Grace Baptist Church, they, they said hello. Uh, Aquila and Priscilla say hello with the church that is in their house. By the way, um, they didn't have churches like we have today, and that's why they had the house church. So I'm telling you this so that if anyone ever tells you this was a common thing in the New Testament, the early New Testament. If people tell you that you're doing the wrong thing by meeting in a, uh, in a proper church building and not a house, say, you know what? No one did back then. They had the temple. But in the early church, people met in houses. Lots of times the entertaining room could hold up to 30 people. So don't, don't let anyone condemn you. Yeah, that was the early church. And that's the way they had to do it. Eventually, they built church buildings like we have today. So don't let anybody 
condemn you for not being part of a house church. Uh, it's okay. Um, all the brethren greet you, greet you one another with a holy kiss just as... I mean, I realize people in France do that and, and stuff. They, they still greet one another with a holy kiss. We don't really do that. Uh, we say, how you going? You know, or, or, or stuff. But it is the, the greeting one another, the, the finding out, the how are you, the, the checking to see how you're going. Uh, I reckon I would ask somebody that insisted on the house church if they do the holy kiss. Uh, as well, which most of them would probably say not. Um, but anyway, that was just something they did back then to show affection. If you'll remember, who gave one to the Lord Jesus? Judas did. He gave the, the holy kiss, the, the, the friendship kiss. The salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand, and then accepting people as they are. Uh, if many man not, love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, Maranatha. You know what? We want everyone to get saved. But if somebody is determined to go to hell, you can't stop that. You can pray for them. And Paul here, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, Maranatha. Let him be accursed at the Lord's coming. And, and he will be because he doesn't love the Lord. And so... Uh, and then accept people the way they are. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That's definitely not 1 Corinthians 16.1. Um, and then, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul, he cared about them all. And you know what? I hope that as a church family, we care about one another. You know, there's going to be times, there's going to be times where uh, we get on one another's nerves. There's going to be times where when you're around people, you have disagreements. You know what? That's just life. That is what it is. That's an opportunity for us to find out more about God's grace in our lives and how to show that grace, how to demonstrate that grace. The reason I'm saying that is you think about the conversations that the Apostle Paul has had with these people throughout this book. The condemnation he has given them, the exhortations, the saying, what are you thinking? But yet in it all, he puts his arm around them, each one and says, you know what? I want you to know that I love you. I love you. And that's the kind of compassion that we as a church family can have. Why? Because we're sinners saved by grace. We understand how gracious God is to us and how gracious we are to be to others because of the grace that He shows us. Abounding in the work of the Lord. 